Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our patrons, this is your extended and free version of this week's show. If you're not yet a patron but would like to become one, we're going to talk about that shortly. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Now, I've got a long list of names I just want to get through here, Ian. New patrons or people who have moved to some of our new tiers, which we announced this week, they include, I'm going to do this in one breath, Rich Underwood, Peter Hope, Martin Gear, Stephen Brian Creevy, Neil Fisher, Matt Dawson-Jones, Jane, Matt Cottam, Daniel Wilkinson, Mike Gilmore, Raphael, Philip D, Al Struthers, Steve Norton, Jamie. Actually, I could have done that with a slightly lower intake of breath. Um, but thank you all for either joining us or moving to one of our new tiers. Now, everyone will know we have a bunch of new tiers. I'm not going to go over it too much um, now on the show, but we are doing an extra show every week very different type of show much more personal show between our main episodes that's available on one of our new patreon tiers so if you would like to get hold of that um you'll hear about that in the special episode that's in your rss feed now Mm. anyone subscribe to the 100 pound i'll be sweary at them tier i never made one so so no shame no, not really. Um, but you can find all of those details at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Thank you very much. Now, Ian, it is time Hi. to get your umbrella out because it is about to rain some very serious news. <laughs> okay. Uh, everyone else, though. Umbrella extended. Good. Um, parents, I would say. Just be aware that we are about to talk about the UK's new pornography age check rule for websites. We are going to be tasteful. But no doubt we are also going to be opinionated. So if you're listening in a school, no. or if you have young kids around, you don't want them to hear some risque terms or topics, um, I would suggest skipping forward maybe just a few minutes um, or perhaps listening on headphones. An age check scheme uh, designed to stop under 18s viewing pornographic websites will come into force on the 15th of July in the UK. This is according to the BBC this week. And from that date, affected sites, and that's those that have a third or more of their content being pornographic in nature, they will have to verify the age of UK visitors. And if they fail to comply, they will face being blocked by internet service providers. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. It's a big onion to peel. Um, Let's start with the good intentions. This is to prevent young people stumbling across pornography online. Mm. Um, Minister for Digital Margot James said there's, quote, a need to protect children from inappropriate content. And that's fair. The British Board of Film Classification. Now, this is this is the group that gives movies their UK age um, certificates. It will be responsible for deciding what websites need to put up an age check gate. And the BBC said that the BBFC, and they're not uh, connected, will instruct internet service providers which sites and apps to block for non-compliance of those age gate demands. In addition, it can also call on payment service providers to pull support and ask search engines and advertisers to shun an offending business. 
Now, I thought it might be worthwhile, particularly for some of our overseas listeners, to just explain a little bit about what the BBFC is. Um, It is the British Board of Film Classification. We have established that, I believe. It's independent, it's non-governmental, and it's non-profit. I didn't realise how old it was. Um, It's been classifying films since 1912. Mm. Do you want to know what happened in 1912? Um, Was it... Like literally the first film. Or well, something? lots of things happened, but the <clears throat> Titanic set sail. Ah, right. You know, um, that's that's how long the BBFC has been in in uh, existence for. Uh, but today it covers things like video on demand services and stuff like that as well as um, too. Now, it is, I do believe it's a body of very well intentioned individuals who watch uncut versions of films and then tell the distributors of those films whether they're allowed to give them general release on DVD or in cinemas, uh, and if so, with what age rating but it makes some pretty odd decisions to me when it comes to sexual content in particular for example it allows a 1970s film called pretty baby which is on its website they've got some case studies of interesting decisions they've made to contain scenes of a fully naked 12 year old brooke shields to appear in her role as a child prostitute and allow the film to be passed um into general sale Uh, It also allows a film called Irreversible, which contains a vicious, uninterrupted 10-minute rape scene um, uncut into cinemas. And it always made me wonder, with that example in particular, you know, would five minutes have not got the same point across in a world, bear in mind, in a world where the BBFC has also sometimes demanded literally a few seconds of footage be cut from a film for example, because someone looked a bit too happy punching someone else in the face, as was requested uh, when Fight Club was being rated. And I, I don't know. It's not my area of expertise. I'm not trying to judgment. It's just to me, as an observer of what the body does, there are some things that seem a little bit uh, disjointed. Well, I will just say that that has a lot to do with the, desi- the, the intended audience. So, I mean, a lot of <clears throat> when, you're, when you're releasing a film, you'll go into the BBFC process with a rating that you'd like to have in mind. So what tends to happen is, you know, like a superhero movie like, I don't know. Avengers. Perhaps, yeah. They will go in with that wanting a relatively low rating, the lowest they can achieve because they'll want the most number of people to see it. Um, And comic violence is viewed very differently. You know, robots hitting each other, as an example, I mean, obviously that's not a good Avengers example, isn't the same as... Um, people hitting each other and drawing blood and also there's lots of but so a lot of those reasons will come down to the intended audience so you know that I mean that that rape scene sounds horrible and I can't understand why anyone would want to watch that Um, but I also understand that there might be some artistic reason for it um you know, I, uh, we're we're not film critics, and I I agree. No. There are there are, and, and there are justifications and all sorts of things on the web, on the BBFC's website, and I do recommend uh, reading it. They've got a, a brilliant archive of some of the more you know controversial decisions they've made about various different films. It does make for good reading, um, but the fact is. Um, you know, it's not a specialist organisation when it comes to pornography. And it bans, you know, this is something else that I found quite recently. It bans scenes of female ejaculation in commercial pornography. It has yes. done since 2014. But it allows a 10-minute rape scene to pass into cinemas without a cut. And it's just, I mean, I'll get off my soapbox, but those two things feel to me to be a little bit... Yeah, but but also, you, you're. I think you're talking when you're talking about that. Um, what did you say? Is it because you're not... In an 18-rated film, you're not allowed to see um, an erect penis. You are. 
Are you? Oh, yes. Oh. But there is also a separate rating. Yes, R18. R18 yeah, which and that's, is for sex films. And that means it has to be filmed in, in sex shops. But there are, there are many things that you can't include even in those. And that is one of them. But that is essentially uh, completely pointless now. I mean, that, that ha- there is literally no reason for any of that to, legislation to exist. I mean, it is beyond stupid because the internet means that even if you don't watch... No, 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 because, nine, because if, you are, if you are commercially producing it for, for sale, like video on demand mm. on the web in the UK, you are subject to that same rule. You're not allowed to show those things. Yeah, that's working really well for them. Anyway, this underscores a big part of the issue is that this is the body that is deciding what sites uh, should be classed as pornographic and what shouldn't. And I just think that with all of these questions around, you could just do with a a more focused, maybe specialist body. Maybe maybe you bring a different type of person in, and maybe they will. But that's just a concern that I have. So there's that side of things. The next problem with the porn law is proving your age. I mean, one of the ways will be to upload a scan of your passport or driving license to a company called MindGeek, which will have um, the authenticity of your scans verified by a third party. Had you heard of MindGeek? Yes, because I've been looking into this since it was announced. Okay, so fine. Well, I actually hadn't heard of MindGeek. I thought it was the same as ThinkGeek, which is the the online store for... Yeah. Geek merch. Um, So I did a bit of research. Now, the website says their mission is, quote, to deliver a world-class portfolio of entertainment experiences and IT solutions to a global customer base, utilizing our expertise to drive innovation and build new solutions exceeding customer expectations. That's a very boring, dry explanation of an IT company, right? Yeah. So far, so dull. But you might recognize some of the companies that MindGeek owns. Pornhub. (laughs) YouPorn. Brazzers, RedTube. Basically, it runs a lot of porn sites. Now, certainly I've got no issues with MindGeek as a company, but A, it just seems a bit weird to have one of the biggest porn companies in the world be the middleman between your passport scans and an identity checker. And yes. B, if you Googled, if you quickly Googled MindGeek to check it was legit, having been told you need to submit a passport you know, for proof of ID or something, a casual observer may only see it as an IT services provider and not feel concerned that maybe, just maybe... There's a possibility that someone somewhere is able to put your sexual preferences in a document against your passport details and home mm. address. Now, can I just briefly interject here to explain that MindGeek strenuously denies that that's a thing? So, <clears throat> what they're what they're proposing is that um, Age ID is what the service is going to be called. Yeah. Um, they are saying that they will verify details, but they will not keep details or records of who a person is so I, I, it, the actual details of it aren't completely known because age id isn't available in the uk yet it has launched it, it is operational in germany um but what they say they'll do is that they will verify your age and then dispose of all the irrelevant material so what you'll be left with is essentially an age id and a password and then you'll be able to log into any site with an age id verification now that service is free um, and of course, there isn't a way for us to be sure that they're doing what they say they're doing. And if you're logging in with Age ID to say a, a MindGeek owned site, there's probably not a lot to stop them from tying those two things together. But if they're doing as they say and discarding all the personal information and just giving you an ID, then perhaps that won't be a problem. Even it, we'd have to take it on trust. Even though. with 100% trust and whatever with any company, I 
would not want to send a scan of my passport um, no. to a company that's associated with that or any kind of it. I mean, I wouldn't want to send it into it, pretty much any company. I wouldn't want to send it into Netflix. I wouldn't want to, no. you know, I wouldn't want to send it into Amazon. You know, it's not specifically because it's porn. Porn makes it, you know, much more personal as if it was like medical. Um, but I, I wouldn't feel very comfortable doing it. Well, and no, nor should you, because I don't, I just, I don't think that this whole thing is being done sensitively. Um, sexuality is a, a minefield. There are people all over the world are killed for their, you know, the, the, the way they were born you know, because of what they want to do and who they want to be with. Um, that's not perhaps so much of a problem in the UK, but that's not to say, I mean, we, you know, there are things like honour killings in this country. You know, if, if if you're of a community and they find out that you're acting in a way that they don't agree with, then there, there can be horrible repercussions. Um, if this information leaks out, not only will it re- could it result in people being the victim of those kind of things, it could also result in suicides. If, you know, if you're if it somehow transpires that you know you you happen to be gay and you're looking at gay porn and then someone finds out you know you and you're not ready to come out for whatever reason then it could be catastrophic and i th- you know i, I want to be a, very mindful that we are we're talking here worst case scenarios but they're based on things that have well, happened in in the past yeah, but i mean i also it, 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 the whole thing stinks from top to bottom well you're getting to my final yeah. conclusion here because the words that i was going to say is that the whole thing is entirely pointless anyway, because any bans that an ISP puts on a website can be circumvented perfectly legally using a VPN. Plus, the government itself has said, according to the BBC write-up, that age veri- verification is not a silver bullet solution, but rather a means to make it less likely that children stumble across unsuitable material online. But mm. are kids accidentally stumbling on Pornhub? You know, these are, no. Or are they typing it in and going to what, it? Are they- and if they're going to accidentally stumble across porn, it's going to be on things like Twitter and WhatsApp or Tumblr. Tumblr. None of which are covered by this rule because a third of their content content won't be pornographic. One of the best tweets I saw about this as, as well was um, about, um, because it, it's a third of the content, someone said all Pornhub needs to do to be compliant and not have age ID is to commission three written articles about a non-porn subject for every video they upload. The bottom line is that it is not a bad thing to want to prevent kids from stumbling across things that could be harmful, but this is this yes. is a very, very old-fashioned way... No, but can I just, could I just counter this it. and say that actually um, it, the government says this is to prevent children from stumbling across porn. Yes. I don't believe them. I believe that it's a method of control. I, they want to have control. Now, they don't understand technology. It is obvious to me, with this more than anything else that they've stupid ideas that they've proposed, this is the clearest indication that they don't understand technology because you've got VPNs. Now, VPNs have a slight barrier in that you usually have to pay for them, so that's not going to appeal to children. However, Tor is completely free and will absolutely more than likely as long as your exit point isn't in the uk which it probably wouldn't be will absolutely get you around the porn block without you need to install any other software you'll be good to go um not only that but we are on the cusp because google and mozilla are both pushing for encrypted dns Mm -hmm. we are on the cusp of a porn block not working because that you there will be no way for the porn block an isp to know what site you're visiting it will blow all that out of the water. It will also blow out all the pirate bay <laughs> prevention stuff yep. like that. You know, and you can use encrypted DNS now if you want. Like the um, 
the free Cloudflare service, 1.1.1.1, it has apparently got a secure DNS thing. Now, this is not for the faint-hearted. It's quite difficult to implement unless you're an expert, well, not an expert, but unless you have a reasonable technical knowledge. So technology is going to defeat this in a heartbeat. Anyone who is looking to share porn or see porn is going to have absolutely no problem seeing it. Therefore, essentially what we're doing is we're spending huge amounts of public money on making the BBFC, the company, the, the organisation, which is probably least suitable to do this job, in that I don't think they have the manpower. I've been watching their site for a list of age-verified services that they approve. There is still not one. There wasn't one when the last deadline for this passed, and I suspect there's probably not going to be one anytime soon. So we have this service that's supposed to be, you know, this restriction that's coming in, yet there's no way for anyone to prepare for it there's no way for you to get you know if you if you if you're if in the best case scenario you're someone who doesn't care about you know having to go into a shop and buy a porn pass for six quid or whatever it is and you can do that that is one of the other options yeah, is to go into a shop yes, and it's buy it a portas card i believe or something like that um although when i read a there is a wired article that i read that suggests that uh, that some part of that card is tied to the age ID service, and I haven't actually been able to verify that. So, but I will, I will be looking into this at some point. Um, so, and again, we are we're essentially giving away this system to MindGeek because they're the ones with the money. Um, and also, I would, it is a, it's a tangentially involved point, but um, age ID is free hmm. for users. However. The way it works is that porn producers are expected to pay um, for each verification that goes through their site. This is my understanding. It's a matter of some 40 cents or something per person. Um, And so this also has an impact on people who are, I don't know, they're either providing porn services, um, but on on a smaller scale, or it could be that if, if say, you are a, a site that gives sex information to people and, say, the BBFC comes along and goes, actually, you, you've, you've got to be behind this age ID thing, then what you're doing is you're going to make that impossible. I can see the possibility that services that are designed to help people questioning their sexuality or whatever the, you know, advice, if they somehow manage to fall into that category, then they're going to be essentially pushed out of business and I like all of these services, like every time this happens, it's never the thing that they say it is. And, and the unintended consequences of it will be devastating for certain people and groups and businesses. And it's like the extreme porn thing. You know, it was the government coming along and going, which was part of the same bill, as I remember. They've struck it off now, haven't they? But, the, the, you know, they said, you can't watch this, this, this and this because we think this is unsuitable ignoring the fact that porn is a it's a acted thing it is a consensual thing that is smoke and mirrors um and but they were saying that because of you know certain sensibilities there was some stuff that was unacceptable but of course you know if you happen to be in a marginal minority or whatever you know just happens that to be your thing you would feel very hard done by and it, and, and the same problems came up but the thing's a disaster and it will continue to be a disaster or might it? That's the opposing view. Well, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear from someone who has that opposing view, actually. I would be very interested to hear, especially um, maybe teachers, or especially anyone who has a, an insight into how 
young people do this and if you've you know caught people looking at porn on their phones or whatever how they're getting access to it i'd be very interested to hear about real world stories mm. um but uh, we'll have to wait and see because it's sensitive stephen huxtable did point out that bbfc does consult with public with the public and tries to reflect the expectations and worries of parents Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I will I will say this about the BBFC. When it comes to films, they are very good. Their their, their advice is actually useful to parents. It's yeah. a really good service. And but they're not set up for this, really. I mean, I, I know they do do porn aging, but not in the as we just discussed, not in a way that's relevant to an internet audience. Any thoughts you have on this, of course, very very welcome. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Well, Ian, Lush is stepping away from social channels in the UK. You know Lush, right? They, um, I do. They're the cosmetics shop you can smell from a mile off. <laughs> Purveyors of bath bombs and the like. Indeed, we'll come back to those. Uh, the Drum reported last week when I was ill in bed with a lung infection that they will now instead direct customers to their website, email and phone lines for one-on-one conversations while also increasing the emphasis on influencer marketing over social. The company had a statement, according to The Drum, which read in part, Increasingly, social media is making it harder and harder for us to talk to each other directly. We are tired of fighting with algorithms, and we do not want to pay to appear in your newsfeed. So, we've decided it's time to bid farewell to some of our social channels. Lush, this is Lush in the UK. It has half a million followers, more than half a million followers on Instagram, uh, half a million almost on Facebook, over 200,000 on Twitter. So it's not an insignificant audience to effectively been uh, cutting off. Well, part of what has been driving the Lush decision is something I think we're seeing more broadly in the marketing world. There's a growing focus on something called earned media. This is this is the word of mouth promotion that isn't paid for. That's often taking place in social media platforms anyway. These are your influencers, whether they're self-described or well, that is otherwise. still mostly influencers are paid. I mean, that, well, that's perhaps not true. Influencers are, but earned media is not, and that's yes. that's the key thing here. But is earned media triggered by influencers? It can. Well, yes. Is I mean, that what they're saying? Yeah. I mean, I did I did some research about this actually a few months ago because I was reporting on something related to it. Um, and in 2018, there was a social media management service called Hopper HQ, which estimated that a single paid post by TV personality Kylie Jenner, mm. who I'd never heard of until I was writing about this, mm. but apparently she's quite famous. Well, I, I mean, depends how you define fame. People know who she is. Well, <laughs> put it this way. On her Instagram account, this one post cost as much as a million dollars, and that was up from $400,000 a year earlier. So that generates loads of conversation around a product, and that's really good for business. So why wouldn't you want to put more effort into generating that sort of thing instead of replying to inane comments on social media? Because influencers are um, often not don't have as much engagement as people think. I mean, influencer content is very susceptible to fake bots and you know things like that because if, you know yep. you have to have a certain amount of followers i mean i don't know what kylie jenner has it's millions of followers yes i but, would imagine so but i assume that a, a good percentage of them are not real 
No, they won't be. I and mean, therefore, your yield from it is not great. But of course, with someone who is a personality like that, you can be sure that mentioning a brand will elevate that brand substantially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't need many. I mean, I've got about 16,000 followers on Twitter, and I've had people asking me to say something for money. Really? All of which I say no to. Well, of course you do, because you're a journalist, and yeah. it would be completely inappropriate for a journalist to take money for yeah. Twitter. Um, well, yeah. But I, was, I, but I was curious about the Lush one in particular, because... I wanted to see the kind of, you know, the kind of uh, comments that maybe they were sick of having to trawl through on social media. Because mm. we've seen these. You go into a train company and it's just a lot of people whinging, saying they're the worst things in the world. So I was going, I went onto their Twitter to, to find some examples of, you know, what was going on. And it was really hard to find any horrible ones. Really? There was one, yeah, there was one demanding that their store in Saudi Arabia be closed because every 10 minutes in Yemen, a child dies of starvation. Okay. But other than that, it was mostly respectful questions or apologies for minor issues or something about an annoying staff member or someone's bath bomb making their testicles tingle, uh, perhaps. But I, you know, I just wondered if they if actually they just couldn't be bothered anymore. Like if it was it was more valuable for them to pay, to put the money that they were paying to, paying to like a social media manager role to a bunch of people who could generate natural, organic yeah. mentions, positive or otherwise. I think it would be more cost effective for Lush to send free products to Twitter followers who, Twitter users who have an engaged following, but who necessarily, who, who are not necessarily the biggest. So I, w- I would probably guess that your sweet spot would be somewhere between ten and 100,000 followers. Um, people who, you know, w- probably would ask for money at some point, but, you know, you could send them a free thing and they might mention it. I would say that's probably a more effective thing than paying someone you know, a social media manager salary every year um, and getting varying results, perhaps not great because I, I can see the logic by saying it, it means more coming earned media coming from yeah. normal people. So, yes, I can see that. But it's still, a, I mean, it's still a big brand saying we're not going to do this anymore. And they're, and they're, yeah. not, they're, not, the, they're not the first, but they're, but they're one that seems to have a really, enge- seems to me to have a really engaged, broadly pretty positive presence uh great replies from the staff you know a lot of praise and interesting photos and posts and things from their customers it just seemed like a very very odd decision to say we're not going to do this anymore um and 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 that's it and the other thing as well of course is that i don't know how many how much like how common knowledge this is but if you find a brand on facebook or you know any social account like pretty much all of them are run by either their PR team or their marketing team. And it's essentially the honeypot to trap the wasp of complaints because they'd rather you go and whinge on their Facebook page than to write into a local tabloid that, you know, a mouse was baked into your bread loaf, which has happened, and you getting 300 quid. It'd be far easier for them to send you a basket, a big basket of bread uh, or another uh, alliterated denomination of food produce. Mm. Maybe a... No, I can't be bothered trying to think of <laughs> um, Then it is, you know, t- to, 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 uh, to defend a, a, a PR nightmare. So, again, another strange reason for a brand to pull out of Twitter. But there we go. And not just Twitter. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's a lot of people. That's the best part. That's probably over a million, a million people. Um 
across those across those platforms. Very strange. If you have any thoughts on this, do let us know, obviously. Uh, we're still on Twitter. We're at text message pod on Twitter. Maybe you can tweet us with your views um, or send them to the old snail mail. Uh, you can slither that message to hello at techpodcast.uk. Ian, we've been banging on for a while, but um, I don't want to finish our news segment without talking about something that isn't entirely news and is entirely, in fact, a rant. Uh-huh. I have <clears throat> recently come to the conclusion that it has never been less enjoyable to browse the web in Britain. I was and- just having this conversation with someone on Twitter yesterday, so do carry on. Tell me your thoughts. If you go to a website, and our American listeners or anyone outside Europe won't really have experienced this unless you've visited Britain, any website you go to now, you load up, and the first thing you get is a big full-page overlay, we value your privacy, you know, with some button. I accept, show cookie purposes, and then you have to click those, or you go to Engadget, and it's like, Engadget is part of Oath. Do you accept? It's like, yes, I accept. I accepted the last time and I accepted on my tablet this morning and I accepted on the phone yesterday evening. Yeah. I accept. Give me the content, please. Then you've got the... um, then you've got the, the the cookies warning. This site uses cookies, mm-hmm. you know, which they all do because it's impossible to run a site without using cookies of some kind. Yeah, well, it's not impossible, but no one does it. And then on top of that, you've got the obligatory subscribe to our newsletter pop-ups and all this kind of stuff. And I've actually come to the conclusion that the ads on websites now are the least annoying, mm. least intrusive part of browsing the web in the UK yeah. and, and and more broad and broadly in Europe as well. You know. It's worse if you're talking about porn because then, of course, you've got age gates to huh. to, to deal with as well. Yeah. But I just, it's, it's made me, it's definitely directly contributed to me wanting and actively have been subscribing and paying for more services, for, for news in, in apps. You know, something that in the back in the day I really never wanted to do because I never want, I, I really hated and resented the pop-ups you get that says, hey, please open this app at this website in in our app it's like i don't want to i've come to your website it's like when you're on hold on one of those telephone support lines and you're on you're waiting for a customer service person they said have you visited our website for Mm. answers of course i have that's why i'm calling you because it's the last resort because your website didn't have the answer to the inanely specific no one wants to pick up the phone when they can search the internet instead we're all checking the internet before we pick up the phone that is absolutely guaranteed yeah that's why i hate home assistance because the you know those those you know menus are like phone menu trees i don't want mm. to have a, a phone menu tree on my insert product name insert voice assistant here uh, product because it's annoying it's why self service checkouts are annoying anyway i don't know what my point is my point is is that uh, this is really annoying and our american listeners you have no idea how good you have it only having annoying ads now. I'm not sure that they do have it. I mean, they do definitely have it better, but I'm not sure they have it that much better. I'll give you an example. Go on. Um, the, the, the things that I find annoying are sign up to our newsletter, which is on literally every site now. Yeah. Um, the, um, the thing that detects when your mouse goes towards the top of the screen oh, and says, before you go, yeah. that... I had one, that today. It infuriates yeah, me. Yeah, often on retail. I mean, in, in fact, if I see that one, I'm probably going to shut the window, you know, just out of sheer spite. Yep. Um, 
What's what's the other one that gets well, me? Well, well, the, the chat time? room says video autoplay windows that follow you down the oh, page. Yeah, I mean, look, the th- the problem is for journalists that um, a lot of us have write or have written for sites that do that, and a lot of us, me included, have made videos that might follow you down a, a site. But I'm all for these things being done better, um, and you can block out some of them, but you you can't block out the newsletter pop ups and the you know the cookie consent thing and you know i know i noticed that when you log on to the wi-fi here um you get um you get a the the company page appears uh, but you also get a full page of um like consent for cookies which is great because it's done well because it gives you the option to fully control the experience like it's honest and that's good but you still have to contend with that as the first thing you see when you you know visit the site or you know have wi-fi um it is. I, I I have been thinking this for a very long time, and I know that it is not the best when we completely agree on a subject. But I I completely agree. I I finding the internet to be an absolutely dismal place. I tell you what, I, I just love. I've been using Apple News a lot more recently. Well, actually, I was because of this. Just about to say that same thing. I, I, there's been a lot of criticism about Apple um, and the rate that it's going to be giving publishers. However, I believe that. Apple News will probably pay publishers more than they get in ad revenue from display advertising. Hmm. I think it depends on the publication. Well, I know, well, I know, perhaps. I know the point but you're trying to make. A lot of publications are not making huge amounts of money out of display advertising. No, true. You know, and it, uh, display advertising is going away. That's not how sites are going to make money. Um, but my point is this: I, half of the sites I go to are as, as you describe. There, oh, and also, um, I, I don't actively block ads but some of the privacy tools i've installed in firefox mean that sites detect are unable to display certain adverts i know tom uh tom merritt uses i think it's privacy badger so oh, yeah. i think I, he i think he has a similar experience i use he'll probably tell me well i use the firefox built-in thing listening to this yeah and ghostery oh ghostery is very good yeah yes but it also has the the, the impact that the site detects that you're ad blocking which yeah. is not strictly speaking true, but anyway, I don't use any of them. I don't but use so, any ads. So my internet experience is now either site festooned with pop-up windows, yeah. site that refuses to let me see the site because I've apparently got an ad blocker, although that's not my intention. I'm not trying to block ads, and or a paywall. And so for me, Apple, paywalls are the least annoying. I well, have no, I have well, no they, objection they, to they paywalls. They are, but I, but I I object to paywalls in that anymore. Well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Because but no, but I, but I object only to the fact that I do not know how I would be expected to afford paywalls for every site when I, when what I'm doing usually is reading one article a month. Yeah, but this, so but this, this is where Apple News comes in. Yeah. Because if I have an Apple News subscription and I can even if it was even if it was like five articles on each site a month included or whatever, that would solve the majority of my internet browsing issues. I'm fine. I'm thinking that the web is becoming a very two tier system in that if you've got money, you can subscribe to the services and get access to the good news, the, the, not the good news, but you know, the, the reliable news sources and the good journalism. And if you don't have the money for it, then you're going to be stuck with the, the crappy web and yeah. all of its annoying, crappy pop ups. I mean, you're right that that, that that trial system does work and a lot of things do ask you to just register a free account or log in and that along with uh, the um having a paid subscription does mean that they do know who you are and they do know that you've given consent yes. but the problem is you then need to be always logged in 
on all of those devices. And if you log out, you have to get through that in order to get to the login in the first place. Um, but it does make it slightly, slightly better. But no one likes being annoyed into taking an action, do they? No, they don't. It's, I mean, least of all you, mate. Yeah, I know. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I suppose it's been... It, the thing is, it's been chipping away. It's been, you know, first we had the cookie consent. Now, the, uh, we all know how I stand on the EU, but like a lot of people who like the EU, I do not like everything the EU does. And that cookie thing was perhaps the most misguided ruling of all time. Maybe not, but it was certainly a misguided ruling. It, it doesn't solve a problem. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't make anything better. Mm. All it does is provide a window that you have to clear that says you consent to cookies. No one is thinking in any detail about that decision. They just want to get rid of the box. I feel suitably uh, becalmed now, Ian, um, having had my little rant. Oh, I do. There is one other. There is one other thing that I've also encountered. Go on. Which is that a percentage of sites, and it is a reasonable percentage of sites, now will not operate in the EU because of GDPR. So some percentage of the sites that you go to that are not behind a paywall and not festooned with stuff are in fact inaccessible because they can't be bothered to do the GDPR thing. Mm, It's often often not that they can't be bothered, it's just that it's not financially worthwhile the bothering. Let us know any opinions you have on our opinions. Hello at um, techpodcast.uk. We've had a bunch of emails, but uh, we're, we're running long today, so we're just going to get to one, and uh, it's it's from Jamie. He says, Hi, hi, Nate. Quick note to say thanks for continuing to produce the podcast, and in response to the recent changes, I'm a recent subscriber, um, on Patreon, he means, been listening to the free tier for a while, having heard you mention it whilst on This Week in Tech with Leo. I've bumped up to the $3 tier, generally enjoy the off-topic bits and the personal ramblings as much as the core content, so hoping there'll be more of this in the extra recordings. Yes, there certainly are. Particularly if you want to hear about, um, what was it I was talking about, an extra message? Oh, the motorised bar stool. That was a good story. Um, And also there'll be uh, 10 minutes of additional footage in this for the uh, $3 tier, which is uh, us eating confectionery. No, that that will get. That that will go. That will get cut out. No, we we had a very long discussion about um, Google having to offer alternative browsers to mobile users in Europe. That was in the Patreon extended version. Yes. Uh, but thank you, uh, Jamie. He also says, as a home worker, I miss the social interactions in the office and find the podcast I listen to help fill some of that. Well, thank you. I'm glad well, we can fill something for uh, you. A- amen from the, a fellow home worker. Yeah. And as a pure coincidence to this, I'm going to be on This Week in Tech on Sunday with Leo Laporte. So <clears> that's completely coincidental that your email came in several days. So be- much Nate, Nate this week, if you want uh, access to all the Nate. Yeah, it's... It's a, a natural disaster, <laughs> if, if you don't like my voice. Particularly since I'm still recovering from my lung illness mm. and coughing up like... Uh, well, like, you're quite husky. That's not a bad thing. My sticky, sticky shoes. I should be a jazz singer. Shouldn't really play the drums. Um, text message, of course, keeps you informed about the British tech landscape. But let's check in with our good friends. Daily Tech News Show in the US and hear what's been happening in the wider world of technology this week. Tom! This week on Daily Tech News Show, we talk about who won the battle between Qualcomm and Apple over their patent licensing, and it turns out both of them kind of did, but there is a loser. We also follow the crumbling Samsung Galaxy Fold review units. When is it human error? When is it it not? And what's Samsung's response? And we get to the bottom of why the Mueller report was delivered on CD-ROM. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. 
Thank you very much, Tom Merritt. I have a funny feeling he might be in Dublin in August. Mm. He said something on Twitter. And if he is, I might go to Dublin in August and see him. Sounds like a plan. I've never been to Dublin. Yes. Ah, they, it's a delight. They're saying, Stephen says, thanks, Tom, in the Discord, <laughs> in our live chat room. So everything's everything's lining up. Everything's coming up. Tom, um, I also should point out, um, just as a little side note, congratulations to a gaming podcast called Tales of Tamriel, which just had its 200th episode. And it did so on the Old Scrolls Online's fifth anniversary. As some people will know, I do co-host occasionally the Tales of Tamriel podcast. I was we- going to say... This is your podcast. Well, I mean, it's not your podcast so much as it's not you're my involved in it. I can take no credit for for, for I have, it. That was I have met the people. Was yes, that, that was the people who were over. Yes, who, you, yeah. you 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 have met, and um, yeah, we do. I mean, as people know, I'm an obsessive Elder Scrolls fanatic. I sometimes play the Elder Scrolls while I'm playing the Elder Scrolls. So the other day, I was what was it? I was doing. I was yo dog. I hear you like the Elder Scrolls, so I put the Elder Scrolls in. Your no, Elder Scrolls, I know what it was. So I was Elder I was because I was playing the Elder Scrolls online, um, but I was waiting for some people to join my group. So while I was waiting. I was playing the Elder Scrolls Legends on my iPad, uh, Elder Scrolls Blades on my iPad, which just came out. Anyway, you're a geek. I'm a massive nerd about this, but um, I love that show. I've been on it for you know several years, and congratulations to those guys because hitting 200 episodes of a podcast is it's difficult. Pretty good. I mean, we're, we're only on 165. Exactly. So um, big congrats for not pod fading uh, to Agelos and everyone over there. Uh, thank you, of course, uh, we've already said to Tom and thank you to our patrons supporting us every week. Um, if you want to get hold of our extended version and the uh, extra episodes, extra message, the first episode of that went out this week uh, among a bunch of other things. You'll have seen the postings in, uh, you know, on the blog, on Twitter, and in the RSS feed. There's a little explanation about them, so I'm not going to go over them again. But we'd love to hear from you um, if you're tempted by any of those and uh, what we can offer you to make the experience better. That's all at patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Uh, yes, and also we welcome your comments via the usual route. It's hello at techpodcast.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter, where we post lots of up-to-date news stories that are relevant and may well get discussed in the show. That's at textmessagepod. Um, also, thanks to everyone listening to us on our free ad-supported feed. If you have a minute to leave a review on iTunes, it's the best way of supporting us without spending a single penny. It really is. That should be, you know, you know when there's a, when a house is burning down? Yes. You dial 999. Yes. That's your first thing. Yeah. That's the first thing people should do. People <laughs> should never, ever start listening to this show at the Patreon, ever. Everyone should be on the free version. Listen to it for a while. Enjoy it. If you like it, move yes. up. Um, but in the process, and if you like us... Leave us a review. That's that's the that's what the user journey should always solid advice should always. Although be. we're not going to tell you you absolutely can't just dump, jump in and subscribe to Patreon, but also how would you know that we were saying that because you wouldn't have listened to the show? I, d- I don't know why. Tying ourselves up in knots here. Enjoy the free version if you like it <laughs> and want more. Move to Patreon. But thank you to everyone, however you support us. Uh, from me, Nate Langson, and me, Ian Morris. I'll see you in one week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.